I'm Kelly Dowell, and I'm here with Dr. Rosina. Today, we're talking about how smokers can become non-smokers. Recently, I was approached by somebody who's been a smoker for years, and they're concerned about the impacts on them if they're to contract the coronavirus. I reached out to Dr. Rosina, and she's an MD psychiatrist. She's been in the field for 20 years and helped a lot of people stop smoking. She's going to offer her expertise with us today. And what we're gonna cover is how smokers can stop and improve their chances in the face of COVID-19. What it looks like if you've tried to stop smoking before but haven't been able to. She can offer some helpful insight there. And then are patches too expensive and how can they be affordable? Dr. Rosina, can you please share some important ways to stop smoking in the COVID-19 pandemic? And what's the relationship between the virus and smoking? You know, coronavirus attacks the lungs, right? And what happens when somebody is smoking? Their lungs are affected. So the more you smoke, the more little cilias in your those tubes where you have the oxygen exchange going on, those get affected. Your cilias get affected. So your oxygen concentration is low. So what happens is your lungs are not strong to be able to survive an attack like COVID-19. So yes, smokers are at higher risk. So more than ever, this is the time to stop smoking. At the same time, it is going to be stressful to stop smoking because there is so much going on at this time. So I really understand. But at the same time, the sooner you stop, the better. So given that somebody who smokes, their lungs are, are weaker, is it too late? It's never too late. You know, they, they say as soon as you stop, even one day, your oxygen level starts going up within a few weeks your heart starts becoming stronger, your lungs start becoming stronger. And so it, it is never too late. I hear from people is that they feel irritable when they try to quit smoking. Can you tell us more? Sure. So um, let's understand how does actually smoking help, then we can figure out why people feel irritable. So you see, when, you, when somebody smokes, their level of dopamine in their brain, that's a pleasure chemical in their brain goes up within 11 seconds. Okay. So you feel good or kind of high, but then gradually, and, and your mind is thinking clear and stuff, but gradually the dopamine level keeps coming down. So within, within 45 minutes, the dopamine level has gone down so much, then now you start feeling withdrawals. Actually, the people who smoke, half of the time they are in their withdrawal. And that's, that's why they smoke another cigarette and then another cigarette. Mm -hmm. So what are the signs of withdrawal? Irritability, anxiety, restlessness, impatience. So those are the signs of withdrawal. And people who are smoking, they're already going through. But then when they stop uh, for a whole day, then they become more irritable because they are going through more withdrawals. And so therefore, people who are trying to quit usually feels that. And that is why using some of these nicotine replacement therapies help people to combat these withdrawal symptoms and, and be able to successfully stop smoking. Smoking, you see, is not just physical thing. 
you know, it's not just the nicotine that is going in your body, but with the cigarettes, you get a lot of carcinogens, chemicals that can cause cancer. And so when you stop smoking, not only you are not getting exposed to nicotine, but you stop getting all these cancer-causing chemicals that can also affect other parts of your body. So what we do is when we're using nicotine replacement treatment, basically we are replacing the nicotine withdrawal with the smaller doses of nicotine so you don't feel that irritable and those withdrawal symptoms while you work on the behavior measures. So you have to still change your behavior and you have to change your thoughts to be able to stop smoking. And you must have noticed that I use the word smoker to non-smoker rather than quit smoking word. And there's a particular reason because many times when people try to quit smoking, it's just like, you know, I want to stop, but their identity doesn't change. They still in their mind still feel that they are smokers. So if an opportunity comes, if somebody offers them a cigarette or if they're stressed, they pick up the cigarette again. And so it's very important to work on that level of your identity and your thoughts and your behavior to be able to quit smoking and get through this withdrawal and irritability. That's really helpful, Dr. Rosina. So what I'm hearing is basically it's also somebody changing the way they see themselves, not just stopping a bad habit. Correct. So then another thing that I've often heard that people have frustration with is they tend to gain weight when they stop smoking. Can you tell us more about why? Well, there are a few reasons. You know, most of the people who smoke, you know, they are smoking one pack of cigarettes a day or half or two packs of cigarettes a day. So do you know how many minutes does it take to smoke a cigarette? I don't. Maybe five minutes. Five minutes? <laughs> yeah. But if you combine five minutes 10 times or 20 times a day, how much time is that? A couple of hours? Yeah. So a couple of hours or one to two hours of your day is gone into smoking. And so that time when you are smoking, you cannot be eating at the same time, right? Nicotine is a stimulant. Because of that, that effect, it also decreases the appetite. Plus a lot of people, when they're stopped smoking, they like, you know, they have these smells. And so everything smells bad. <laughs> and so, so they probably don't eat that much because everything smell, doesn't smell good. They stop smoking. Now they don't have anything to put in their mouth. So they see candy, they put it in the mouth. They see something else they keep putting in the mouth. So instead of putting the cigarette in the mouth, they start putting food in the mouth. They gain weight. Now there's a stimulant effect is off. Nicotine is not suppressing their appetite. So they're feeling more hungry. And a lot of people smoke when they're stressed. A lot of people eat emotionally when they're stressed. So now one thing that they used to do when they used to be stressed that was smoking, now they have replaced with the emotional eating. So all those factors combined together can cause weight gain. Now, how do successful people avoid gaining weight while stop smoking? Is knowing. Once they know what is the problem, then they can address it. Like some of my patients, they choose to take the lozenges in addition to the nicotine patch or other medication or gum. So, you know, when you are using nicotine gum, 
you have to do actually a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how, why there are so many people who try to use nicotine gum or uh, lozenge? They don't quit successfully. Do you know? I I don't know a lot about that. I heard a funny story about this. Okay. So one of the trainers in, from National Behavioral Council, he was giving a talk and he told us about one study that was done about 10, 15 years back. So what they did was they took like about 400 patients and they gave one third a nicotine patch, one third a nicotine gum, and one third nicotine lozenge. And they didn't tell them how to use it. All right. And so after the study, they surveyed these patients and asked them, did you read the instruction how to use it? Okay. And, you know, the most frequent funny answer was, how stupid do you think I am? Yeah. <laughs> that too, you just chew it, right? Yeah. So like if it's chewing gum, you chew it. If it is a lozenges, you put it in your mouth. You know, if you if it's a, if a nicotine patch, you just put it on your skin. Right. So what we realized was that not only people don't know how to use them, but don't even realize that they don't know and they don't read it. Yeah, I, I would not have known that. Yeah. So basically what happens is with nicotine gum, you are not supposed to be chewing like a chewing gum all the time because or even lozenges, you're not supposed to chew. They are supposed to be absorbed from your mouth in the skin of your mouth, buccal mucosa. So if you chew, the nicotine goes in your stomach and then it doesn't help. Oh, wow. Or lozenges also. So you're not supposed to put it in your stomach. You're supposed to keep it in your mouth. So for chewing gum, you're supposed to chew like six or seven times. And as soon as you start feeling this peppery, tingly feeling, then you put it in between your gum and the cheek and you don't eat or drink anything because anything you drink other than water is acidic and that it kills the, the nicotine. So you're not supposed to eat or drink. So let's say the dosage of uh, nicotine gum and patch is supposed to be taken hour on hour. So every hour you are putting something in your mouth, specifically if you're doing the gum, you are chewing it six, seven times, put it in your mouth. After a few minutes, you know, the, the taste starts going away. You bring it back again and you chew again six, seven times. You put it on the other side or other spot and the reason you need to move it the spot to spot is that wherever you have put it that tissue is now full of nicotine so then you want to change the spot where you keep it so that the nicotine can get absorbed okay whatever time it takes you know uh, 20 30 minutes to keep that nicotine gum in your mouth you cannot eat so if you don't eat <laughs> then you are going to not become overweight <laughs> Exactly. So, so nicotine gum is a good choice for people who have problem with, you know, weight gain issue and they can focus on keeping their mouth occupied so they don't eat half of the time. Right. It is not appropriate for people who have dentures or, you know, some, a lot of dental work. And in those cases, they should use the lozenges. And again, lozenges is, are supposed to be put in the mouth like, like cold drops. So you keep it in the mouth. You don't chew and eat because once you eat, then it's lost. And the goal is to have this slow release of nicotine so that you can, you don't feel that withdrawal. And so you can focus on your behavior measures to get rid of the smoking habit. Another thing I wanted to talk about is I was talking to a friend the other day 
And she was just so gung-ho about stopping smoking. And she's like, I'm done. This is my last time. And I'm never touching it again. So she decided to quit. She did great for a couple days. And then she relapsed and, and, you know, smoked again. And she just felt so discouraged and stressed. And can you talk to us about, you know, the relapse situation? Sure. A lot of people have to try multiple times. Sometimes people have to try like 28 times. But the more you try, the higher the chances of you being able to stop. So never give up. You know, even if you fail last time, your chances of being able to quit this time is much higher than the last time. So keep trying, number one. Number two, did this friend of yours make a plan? Did she pick a quit date or did she just abruptly did it? She just abruptly did it. She felt bad about doing it. And she's like, I just, I want to stop. But there was no plan put in place per se. It was just stop smoking. Let me use an analogy right here. If somebody needs to break up from a relationship of 10 or 20 years, they realize that they need to break up. Do they have to plan for it to find a place to live and how they're going to survive and make steps before they leave? Yeah. There's like, you know, a domestic violence situation when you have to abruptly leave or something like that. If you realize that, you know, I don't think we can live together. I need to, you know, leave, but I'm going to leave on this, this date until then I need to arrange for my housing and other arrangements. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Similarly, when you've been small, you have a, a habit, a pattern set up. You have a relationship with your smoking. Now you're trying to break that relationship. You need to have a plan how you are going to manage without this relationship. When you're going to be stressed, what are you going to do? When you when uh, when a friend is going to offer a cigarette to smoke, what are you going to do? When somebody else around you is smoking, what are you going to do? So you need to have that plan and contingency set up how you are going to manage in those situations. Mm-hmm. Plus, you need to kind of make arrangement for how you're going to deal with the withdrawals. That's where the nicotine replacement or medications come in place. And so for her to be successful, number one, you need to tell them, don't give up. The more you'll try, the easier it would get, number one. Number mm-hmm. two, when you decide that you want to stop your relationship with the smoking, then you need to make some environmental changes some thought changes, some behavior changes for it to be successful. What kind of environmental changes can play a role? Most of the people who smoke, they have these rituals set up. Okay. Many of them go to their back porch to smoke or go out. They have, you know, their cigarettes and their ashtrays at a particular place and stuff. When you decide, okay, this is the day I am going to become a non-smoker, you need to remove those paraphernalias and replace it with the constructive thing. So like one of my patients, she used to go outside on her porch to smoke. And that's where she had the table and all the, you know, ashtrays and stuff. So when she decided to quit, She replaced those things with a drawing pad and painting brushes and supplies over there. So every time she was feeling the urge and she was going out, 
now she was able to pull her sketching book and started sketching or drawing or painting or even coloring. So she had all the supplies outside. So you need to create these changes in environment for you to be able to make these change more permanent. That sounds great. It did. She completely changed the environment for herself. So then once you change the environment, what thought changes can you adopt as well to help you? That's what I was telling you about the difference between saying I quit, I have quit. Like, let's say if you are in a social situation when you are being offered a cigarette, a person who has not changed their thoughts to be a smoker to non-smoker, then they may say, oh, I'm trying to quit. I cannot smoke or I'm having these medical problems. I cannot smoke. That is kind of a deprivation kind of feeling, right? You don't feel good. Right. And then, you know, if your friend encourages and you say, no, no, you can try one. It won't matter. And you are more likely to relapse, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to work with your therapist or by yourself with a counselor, or you can call the quit line. They can help you with your quit plan where you change your behavior and you change your thoughts, thinking that in, when somebody offers you a cigarette, then you say, oh, I don't smoke. And you can easily say that I don't smoke if you have changed your identity from smoker to non-smoker. Right. You don't have to give the reason, oh, no, I cannot smoke because of this and because of that. You're not rationalizing and there is no, if you're not a smoker, you're not a smoker, right? So both thoughts and behavior go together. One of my patients was recently telling me that when she was able to stop smoking in the past, she found these uh, small golf pencils, you know, their size of the cigarettes. So yeah. she was carrying the golf pencil in her hand all the time, whatever she was doing. And so she was able to replace that behavior of holding the cigarette with holding a pencil. Another patient of mine, he said that, okay, I've been thinking about doing some craft with this that I wanted to kind of carve. And so that would occupy my hand and give me a constructive outlet to spend that time I used to spend in smoking. So those are the simple behavior tools. And then you can get more tools when you access the quit line or see somebody to help you quit smoking. That's great. And it sounds like everything from people you've worked with being able to change their environment to their behaviors to even kinesthetic, right? Like holding things, um, replacing that habit. So that's wonderful. So then I'm kind of jumping a little bit, but are there one of the things I know that I wanted to talk about was um, patches and this this idea of if we've talked about changing your identity, environment, behaviors and thoughts, and then supplemental things. So are patches expensive or how does that work? Nicotine replacement therapy comes in different forms. One is called nicotine lozenges. The other one is nicotine gum. And third one is nicotine patch. Okay, sometimes they're used by themselves or sometimes they're used in combination with each other or in combination with medication like bupropion or verniclin, which is Chantix. When you are using nicotine patch, basically it's like a Band-Aid, but you have to make sure that you put it on a dry, hairless skin. Now, some of the men kind of laugh, how am I going to find a place without the hair? <laughs> I was thinking that too. <laughs> 
And so, because you see, like, you know, if you're putting somewhere where there's a lot of hair, number one, the, the patch is not able to release the nicotine in the body properly because it is not properly attached. Number one, number two, when you're pulling it off, then it really hurts. So you want to find a place where there's, um, it could be neck, it could be back, it could be hands, it could be anywhere. But one thing that is important to remember is to keep changing the position. See, these patches are one in 24 hours. You put it every day and you can go in water with it. You can shower with it. You can go swimming, except like, you know, if you're going for MRI, then you should remove it. Some people have problems with dreaming and some people actually like the dreaming. They say, oh, I'm having colorful dreams and I like it. So that's okay if you like it. But if you don't like it, uh, it can also be used for 16 hours. So you put it in the morning and when you go to sleep, you remove it at night. So occasionally people, uh, let's say if you're using more than 10 cigarettes a day, then you should start with a 21 milligram patch for six weeks and then 14 milligram patch for two weeks and then seven milligram patch for two weeks and then stop. Again, as I was telling earlier, that this is replacing the nicotine in the body. It is replacing the nicotine at a lower level and a slower dosing so that you don't have to go through the withdrawals like we were talking about, that irritability and nervousness and impatience. And you can work on your behavior measures. So it's a support thing for you. Sometimes what happens is that heavy smokers that have been smoking a lot, they can also combine nicotine patch with either lozenges or gum because lozenges and gums are short acting and they're like out of your body within an hour or two. And so they can, the person can also combine these products and the whole, and once they kind of get through the initial withdrawal phase, then they need to reduce the amount every day in terms of how much they're using. Sometimes you also combine medication like Wellbutin or the generic name is Bupropion. And what that does is that also works on the dopamine receptor system, the same receptors where the nicotine and all the substances that give you high affect the dopamine system. So Wellbutin, by uh, acting on those receptors, help you decrease the withdrawal side effects. So usually if you start the medication, you want to start it two to four weeks before your quit date so that the medication has built up in your system. The other medication is verniclin, which is Chantix. That also is supposed to be started a few weeks before. And what it does is it blocks the nicotine receptors. It's a partial agonist, means it blocks it halfway. You don't feel the withdrawal. But at the same time, if you then try to smoke cigarette, it doesn't give you that high. So therefore, you don't continue to use. So again, those are a one to two months treatments. And after that, you're able to stop it. But that's why it becomes so important to work on those behavior things and the thought things that I talked to you earlier. Right. On a successful transition from being a smoker to a non-smoker. Mm-hmm. Now I have a better feel for you know the medications and how the patch works. Sometimes cost can be a concern. So from a standpoint, are they expensive and are there resources to access or help with that? Sure. So this question comes up a lot with my patients. So uh, the other day a patient said, okay, patches are too expensive. And I said, okay, how much does the cigarette cost you? And he said, seven to $8. I said, great. 
so how much does it cost you in a month? He said, okay. It was calculating. I said, if you count $8 a day, that means it would be about $240 a month. So I said, okay, how much is the patches? He said, well, if I take the name brand, it was about $80. And I gave him a resource. And many people would know it. But if you guys don't know, I wanted to, I want to share the resource called GoodRx and the state resource. Let me share the resource called GoodRx. So GoodRx is a medication discount plan, and there are a lot of discount plans available. So all you have to do is go to goodrx.com and put the medication name, and it would tell you how much the medication would cost you if you go to these certain pharmacies. So you see nicotine patch, a generic patch, in state of Washington, right now, you can get less than $24, right? So if you're smoking and it is costing you $240 a month and a nicotine patch pack is costing you $24 a month, what is more expensive, $24 or $240? Of course, the, the smoking is more expensive, right? And not only that, all the states support their constituents to be able to afford. So if you're not able to afford, there are also options available by state and you can call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. This is a national, I'm talking about in US, of course, this is a national line. So whichever state you are calling, it would connect you with your state support system. And I'm going to show you the what is available in state of Washington, that if you are not able to afford, you can still get at least two weeks supply of nicotine replacement products, plus uh, phone calls to help you get through this phase of transition. So you can access this resource by calling the 1-800-QUIT-NOW or going online with the quit.com. And so you'd be able to access these resources. And I keep on writing from time to time to help people develop resources to manage their stress better because stress is one of the major trigger for smoking. So if you develop some stress management tools, you would be able to control the risk of relapse or decrease the chances of relapse in situation of stress like we are going through right now. So it sounds like you've given us great resources, tools from the state of Washington. If people need additional education, is there a place they can go for that or something that you can offer us? Oh, there are so many resources, but most of the insurances and employers, they have their own quit program because they know when a worker stops smoking, their productivity goes up because they don't need that many breaks and they're not that irritable when they're going through the withdrawals and stuff like that. And so let alone the cost and human suffering that is prevented by people stopping to smoke. So there's a quit for life. There is a different quit line, a quit smoking programs by different insurance companies and the employers. Plus, as I just mentioned, the federal quit line program. If you go to quit.com, the resources are innumerable. You can get a lot of learning, a lot of stories. You can connect with people. There are support groups that you can attend. So you can get a lot of benefit by the free resources. And if you can afford cigarettes, you can also afford the treatment, except the Chantix, which is still not generic. Most of the medications and replacement treatment are pennies versus dollars with, this, with the cigarettes. 
Right. So it sounds like we have a lot of wonderful resources to access. And if somebody wants more of an, in, you know, one-on-one -on -one help and expertise, are you offering any of your services with medication or smoking cessation? Yes. And I do telehealth programs so I can see people through video chat, video visits, and prescribe the medications that they need and help them decide which program would be the best suitable in their situation. So I work in collaboration with Quitline Counseling Program to help people successfully stop smoking. And so then if people want to work with you, Dr. Rosina, how can they make an appointment? They can go to shifahealth.org and fill out the form to make an appointment or call our offices at 425-742-4600. Okay. And then personally, this has been pretty helpful for me. I haven't known a lot about quitting smoking and, and even the thinking about environment, thoughts, behaviors for other areas in my life are helpful, right? You even brought up emotional eating. And I, I got to tell you, I sit there sometimes with my of ice cream. Well, thank you for joining us and for your time, Dr. Rosina. Thank you. And I want to summarize that my message is you can stop smoking. It's never too late. Even one day can increase your protection against, against COVID-19 and many other illnesses. So today is the first day of the rest of your life. Take the action today. If you are worried about the withdrawals and irritability and weight gain, there are many resources available that can help you. And know that smoking cessation is two prongs. It's the nicotine, but at the same time, also the tar and carcinogenics, you know, chemicals that can cause cancers and other physical problems. But it's also a habit, a psychological habit a thought habit. And so you want to work on both aspects to be able to successfully stop it. And even if you have tried in past and if you have failed it, don't give up because the more you try, the better you will get at it. And there's a lot of resources, both at state and federal level that you can access. Any further questions, please feel free to reach out on whatever media you are connecting me with. Thank you, Dr. Rosina.